1: Good morning. It is 8.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Our economic indicators are brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Here's Vinny Del Giudice with the uh, import price index.
0: Yes, Michael, the first of three government inflation reports this week. The Labor Department says the import price index rose 0.2% in March. That's the first increase since June. The increase less than forecast, what happened? Fuel costs up, food costs down. Again, a 0.2% month-over-month increase year-over-year, down, though, down 6.2%, illustrating the conundrum faced by the Federal Reserve regarding inflation. Earlier, NFIB Small Business Optimism Index, it fell in March to 92.6 at the Bloomberg First Word. desk, Convenie Del Giles, Let's go back to New York.
2: No, Vinny, thanks so much, Mike. Um, I, I'm I'm taken back by something I normally don't look at, which is import prices. That's something. I mean, there's there the revisions. That's just something. It's just the stuff is cheaper.
1: Well, uh, I understand oil's in there. Yeah, I mean, oil is a major driver of that. But, of course, the big question uh, in this month' uh, numbers seems to be food. Uh, food prices falling, mm. you know, and then you ask, is that a bad thing? I mean, it's a bad thing maybe for producers. Um, looking at a, uh, an interesting table here, March airfares to the U.S. fell 6.3% from a year ago. Uh, import passenger fares down um, and export passenger fares up. So it costs you more to leave the country. Uh, that uh, may be a function of the stronger dollar. You mean that
2: we could have one-way tickets for children? <laughs>
1: Don't you wish. <laughs> little light humor there. All right. Save us
2: on real estate.
1: Well, let's uh, let, let's let's talk about uh, the the economy and talk about housing's role in that. With Doug Duncan, he is uh, senior vice president, chief economist at Fannie Mae. Uh, Doug, um, we're all watching for signs of inflation. I mean, you live with it in housing because prices generally go up, but in general, uh, inflation. Uh, well, well, how would you characterize it? Is it starting to come, or is it uh, have we you know gotten a head fake?
3: Well, I moved up a little bit, and the uh, owners owners equivalent rent was a a uh, contributor to that. and um, Part of that is uh, a function that there's no supply at the low price point either in owned properties or rented pra- properties. So I, I would expect to see some continued pressure. On uh, that component of the inflation index, the, uh, the addition of all these jobs is pushing the demand curve, uh, and it's moving faster than supply.
1: Uh, owner's equivalent of rent, of course, is the way the, um, the, the Commerce Department, uh, Labor Department, rather, con- calculates uh, right. home prices in the CPI, what it would cost to rent the, your house. Um What is the trend with house prices? Uh, Uh, They're
3: they're still moving up strongly. Uh, We anticipate about another 5% or a little more than 5% nominal this year. That will be uh, the fourth consecutive year in which they've risen uh, around that much, and that's a lot faster than real household incomes are increasing. And we, our theme this year for, for the market and housing is uh, housing affordability constraints as the expansion matures. We're trying to make the point, this is now the fourth longest expansion since World War II. If you look at our survey of consumers, they don't feel that, uh, the share of them thinking that the economy is going the wrong track is actually increasing. But, um, both uh, rents, particularly in the lower uh, quality apartments, C grade apartments, uh, and prices of the lower priced homes are appreciating faster than our higher prices or higher rents.
2: I look, Doug, at where we are, and at the top line of every discussion are unit dyma- dynamics and price dynamics. I believe you heard I heard you say. The price dynamics are overwhelmed by the oddity of no supply. Explain mm-hmm. explain to me in the quote-unquote of a normal spring season what you anticipate will be the mood as people go out and look for houses. I, I, can't, I can't get a handle on it.
3: Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Our our release on our home purchase sentiment index has flattened and actually come down a little bit uh, in the first quarter. Our interpretation of that is that uh, people have looked at the last two quarters of growth, which in real terms have averaged one and a quarter percent uh, annualized. Uh, they're kind of looking at that and saying, "I don't really like the direction that's taking." So our our index of Uh, Home purchase sentiment, which is a a kind of a 12-month forward look, has actually flattened out. Um, That's fairly consistent with our forecast. We're thinking about um, 3% increase this year in total sales, whereas last year uh, total sales were up about 7%. Well,
1: let's come back with Doug Duncan. He's the uh, chief economist at uh, Fannie Mae. Um, What do we got to do to get more houses on the market? I guess raise prices, right? I think that's part
2: of it, but I, I look at it with the phrase that I mentioned earlier. I believe it was with Jeff Curry. Every asset class, including housing, which is a basically a tangible asset, difficult to move compared to markets, everybody has a great distortion. And there's a great distortion to Doug Duncan's world. We'll come back and talk to him about the distortive features that are out there. I do want to talk to him about. Um, the lender of, of of Only Resort, Fannie and Freddie, uh, as well. Futures up seven earlier, up six right now. A churn to the market, but with a constructive feel to it. Without question, the headline two hours ago, Strong Euro. Uh, it's come back 114 11402 on Euro. The yen, 108.29 oil, $40.75 the barrel.
1: This hour of surveillance brought to you by Mount Kisco Volvo. Visit MountKiscoVolvo.com. Here's Michael Barr.
4: Mike, Tom, thank you very much. The chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee is having breakfast with President Obama's Supreme Court nominee. Chairman Chuck Grassley says he's meeting with Merrick Garland to explain to him why the Senate won't take up his nomination. Republicans have refused to vote on President Obama's nominee, saying the next president should have a say. Higher speed limits means increased deaths. That's according to a study by the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. IIHS spokesman Russ Rader says each five-mile-per-hour increase in the speed limit results in a four-percent increase in fatalities.
3: People will drive at the speed at which they feel comfortable that they won't get a ticket, and that's usually five or ten miles an hour over the speed limit. So when you raise the speed limit, you just shift those high-speed drivers into an even higher
4: bracket. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety is out with another survey, and it's good news for Ford. The 2016 F-150 is the only full-size pickup truck to score the top rating in new front crash tests. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom?
1: Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update with John Stashower.
5: Thanks, Mike. Steven Matz had to wait a while, get his first start of the season, and then it was over before the second inning ended. Marlon scored seven times, beat the Mets 10-3, to leaving Matz's ERA near 38 and leaving the Mets with three straight home losses by a combined 16-5. to couple of ex-Mets, John Neese's first win for Pittsburgh, 7-4 at Detroit, and Daniel Murphy, two-run homer in Washington, 6-4 win over Atlanta. Murphy's batting 471 with seven RBIs. Cubs in their home opener didn't get a hit until the seventh inning. Still beat Cincinnati five three on Addison Russell's three one shot in the eighth. The Orioles are six and zero. Chris Davis three run homer ninth inning to the spoil the Red Sox home opener nine seven. The Nets' 60th loss to Washington one twenty to one eleven. Wizards were in front twenty to nothing then actually fell behind before prevailing. Oklahoma City beat the Lakers by thirty three. Russell Westbrook triple double by halftime. Kobe Bryant's last game is tomorrow night. Dallas won to clinch his playoff spot. Cleveland won to clinch the one seed in the East. Stanley Cup playoffs begin tomorrow night for the Rangers. They'll be without Captain Ryan McDonough, at least for the opener at Pittsburgh due to his hand injury. NFL draft in a little over two weeks. Could the Jets take a quarterback? They're bringing Cal's Jared Goff in for a visit this week. The Jets pick 20th, may need to trade up if they want to get Goff. Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stachan.
2: John, thanks so much. Wall Street Journal today with a terrific uh, article about something, Mike, I've seen I think no less than three articles in the last six weeks on this new thing in a hockey. And for those with a global audience, we will explain. It used to be when the puck was shot at the goal, you got out of the way and let the goalie make the save. Now these guys, a la Ryan McDonough of the New York Rangers, are trying to block everything in sight. Yeah. There's a price
1: to that. Yes, you uh, you risk life and limb, or yeah. face and limb, as it were. Um, or ankle. <laughs> or knee. Or, or ankle. Interesting uh, article in the Washington Post this morning it sort of breaks down every team's weakness in yeah. the playoffs. And a lot of it centers around those who are missing going into the playoffs because they have injured themselves. Yeah.
2: From New York, Bloomberg Surveillance.
1: Thank you, uh, Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by the banker. That's the power of Global Connections, Bank of America, N.A., FDIC.
0: Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
6: And I'm Karen Moscow, and this update is brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at nria.net. Stocks are rising with commodities while the yen slips and government bonds fall. As crude oils advance above $40 a barrel, boosts economic optimism. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up six points. Dow E-mini futures up 41. And Nasdaq E-mini futures up 13. The DAX in Germany is up 4/10 percent. 10-year Treasury down 8.30 seconds, The yield 1.75 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.71 percent. Nymex crude oil up 1.1 percent or 44 cents to $40.79 a barrel. Comex gold is up 4/10 percent or $5.40 at 1263.20 an ounce the euro a $1, dollar thirteen ninety nine the yen one o eight point two five U.S. small business optimism declining in March, according to the National Federation of Independent Business. The organization's monthly small business optimism index fell to 92.6 last month compared to 92.9 in February. Import prices in the U.S. increased in March for the first time since June 2015, adding two-tenths percent compared to the month before. Economists were looking for an increase of one percent. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike.
2: Karen, uh, thanks so much. Again, the yen 108.25. It is...
7: 848 on Wall Street.
0: The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists.
7: I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. Non-competes are agreements that keep employees from going to work for a competitor for a predetermined period of time. Proponents have long defended them as a way to encourage employers to invest in worker skills. Critics have depicted them as unfair restraint of trade. In the 1870s, without really meaning to, California lawmakers made it impossible for employers to enforce non-competes in the state. About a century later, something interesting happened. A region of California became the global headquarters of the tech industry, with a unique business culture that tolerated job hopping and celebrated startups. This wasn't a coincidence. California's ban on the enforcement of non-competes helped make Silicon Valley what it is today. Recent research has shown that non-competes reduce entrepreneurship and, and cause brain drain from regions that enforce them. There's even some evidence that non-competes reduce worker motivation. Yet the use of non-competes appears to be growing, even for fast food workers and summer camp counselors. This is ridiculous. More states should consider following California's lead. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com. Or View Go on the Bloomberg Terminal.
0: This has been Bloomberg View.
7: And Bloomberg View
2: commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. We're thrilled to bring you Douglas Duncan, darken this door of College Station, Texas, a few years ago uh, to take his Ph.D. Doug Duncan is with Fannie Mae. Uh, Doug, what is the appropriate amount every month that we should put into rent or housing? This is the hottest and most sensitive of topics in Paris, London, New York, Washington, San Francisco, it's out of control. How much a month should we put in?
3: Yeah, I think a a long-term rule of thumb is somewhere around a third, 30%, something in that ballpark. And you're certainly seeing well above that in some markets now, uh, the ones that you mentioned. Um, I was just out in uh, San Jose, and there's essentially no affordable homes, single-family detached homes available for sale. In uh, anything close to the core business, there, district or near in uh, rents there uh, certainly pushing above that uh, that number that I cited.
2: What is the social cost of that, if any? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it handwringing by liberal? I mean, how do you by liberals how do you equate in the reality that we're putting in 33 or 42 or 51 percent of our income yeah. just to survive every month?
3: Yeah, it, it has two or three impacts. One is it uh, certainly reduces the ability of households to save. And, you know, one of the things that was uh, a huge contributor to the crisis was excess leverage at both the household and business uh, level. So to the extent that your housing cost uh, is a contributor to excess leverage in the, in the household, that's a negative. Um, a, uh, a, a second thing is that for the business community, at some point, you won't be able to afford to pay a wage rate that will allow the uh, the worker to live in close enough proximity to make it make sense to work for their company. So you'll start to see some business migration at some point. You saw that in the mid-'80s in California. There was a large outmigration of small business to Arizona and Utah, Oregon. So it will uh, lead to some relocation issues. Uh, Part of it takes some time for the cost structure to get to that point uh, and and uh, before you see that move and that's not good for overall growth.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the question that uh, comes to mind is in in most cases you have a situation like that the, the market is going to find a way to clear uh, somebody would come in and, and build housing for the workers that can't afford uh, to live anywhere else but you've got the added information yeah. in real estate and they get zoned out. They don't want Uh, uh, lower-priced houses, anywhere near the the expensive ones.
3: Yeah, it's uh, true. I mean, I was uh, saying the story at San Jose talking to a builder about a year ago that had a couple thousand lots available for development, but he'd been through uh, 13 public hearings over a three-year time period and still wasn't uh, fully permitted yet. You know, if you consider what cost, the carrying cost and the regulatory cost of that, and then the fact that that wage rates, real wage rates in construction, are now back to the peak they were in the boom. At the peak of the boom, that's not going to be affordable housing when it comes yeah. in.
2: Is it rent or buy? What is the research that you show? I mean, I know you're in a buy mode, a mortgage mode at Fannie Mae, but
3: uh, we got actually some we're in both. We did. We financed about 42 billion dollars of multifamily last year. So we're we're actually in both owned and rented. Um, The you know the population uh, suggests today that the homeownership rate's about right. It's uh, 63%. We're we're in the Gen X slowdown, and then we'll see it pick up when the millennials come back uh, to back to the 64, maybe 64.5% a few years down the road. Uh, so we're close to the balance. The problem is there's just not supply on the low end, so it gets to that cost problem that you're talking about, the, the accelerated yeah. share I mean, it's of this,
2: Doug, your world is the second biggest mail we get. The first biggest mail we get is when somebody comes on and announces there's no inflation, and people, mm-hmm. go, people go mental when they see that. And the next biggest one, Mike, we get is you got to be kidding me. I'm locked, my kids are locked, my grandchildren are locked, they can never own. I mean, how do we as a society fix 20% down on a huge number in too many of our cities and towns?
3: Well, it's um, 20% down only if you don't want to pay uh, mortgage insurance. You can get. Uh, higher, uh, LTV loans. We actually have a product called HomeReady, which is a 97% uh, loan to value. Uh, obviously the underwriting criteria are, are, uh, stronger to make sure that that putting only 3% down means you're committed to the, to paying the mortgage. But, um FHA has, uh, higher, uh, loan to value products. So it's uh, uh, and, and we have a range in there that include private mortgage insurance. So th- those things are available, uh, but you do have to be uh, greater credit quality. Uh, the higher the loan to value on the property, because the the investors will make sure that you're willing to pay that loan back. The the real issue is supply. Mike touched on it. Uh, it you know, there's a lot of development restrictions on in neighborhoods that uh, are are controlling for lower density. That means land is the most expensive component of building a house because um, there are restrictions on the size of lot developments. So um, deregulation, uh, I was talking to a couple of builders talking about there are ways to improve productivity in, in building, but you have to change all the local building codes to import new technologies, and that takes time. It's a market-by-market market activity because mm-hmm. the building codes typically are are local.
2: Uh, Doug, thank you so much. Douglas Duncan with Fannie Mae with a nice update there in housing. We'd like to do that My pleasure. once a quarter, maybe every 100 days. Get Doug Duncan in to give us
3: Glad to join you.
2: Uh, a national perspective. Doug, thank you so much with Fannie Mae and you bet. Uh, Freddie Mac. Mike McKee, I look at it, and, and I will say this, folks, with all good cheer, uh, we are so – framed Mike by the world we live in.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean when you think about opening the Sunday New York Times magazine, where I'm guessing the cheapest real estate in there is oh, well, what, yeah. three million? They're, Four million?
1: They're they're appealing to a different demographic than I am. Yeah. In.
2: And and the surrealness that we're we're acutely aware to all of you nationwide, coast to coast on our different you know, Bloomberg twelve hundred Boston, Bloomberg eleven three oh and uh, everybody out there, Mike and I are acutely aware that uh, where we live, what we do with our kids is well, it's um, true. In, not Doug Duncan's world.
1: Yeah, it's true in uh, San Francisco certainly as well. Um, you know, uh, markets where yeah. limited supply drives up uh, the cost.
2: How big is is it? I'm, I'm looking right now. Retail sales tomorrow, 8:30. How big a deal is that?
1: Uh, it's a reasonably big deal because if you get a bad number, that's going to start um, more talk about the Fed being pushed out just at a time when uh, maybe mm-hmm. some Fed officials are trying to pull the idea of a rate increase closer in time. All right. But, um, we, we, yeah. you know, June would be the first time for the Fed yeah. to realistically do
2: it. You need to be with us tomorrow morning, 830. We'll go beneath the headline data with our good guests and, of course, Michael McKee's big-time perspective on the nation's consumer.
7: It is Bloomberg surveillance.